Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is January the 28th, 2022. I want to be sure that I'm clear because an astute listener contacted me today and said, you know, I was reviewing your podcast last week and you said it was 2021. And I wrote it off. I attributed it to a Biden moment. What else could I possibly say? So it is 2022. I thank you for joining me. Uh, It has been a horrible week. I hate to start out a program by saying it, but today we had the second of two funerals for New York City police officers who were killed by by a dirtbag, by a violent thug, and we're seeing it across the country. There was a constable killed in Houston, Texas, Um, again, by an illegal alien who has criminal history all over the place. And according to the article I read, it's believed that he's wanted for murder in El Salvador. I'd love to know how he managed to enter the United States. And and this is the problem. For years, the lies kept coming because so many people are profiting by open borders. I remember testifying at a congressional hearing a number of years ago, and there are witnesses on both sides of the issue, sometimes multiple sides of the issue. And the members of Congress had to go vote in the middle of the hearing, so they called a recess. The members got up and went to vote. And this witness came up to me. I forget which organization he was with, but it was aligned with the um, U.S. Chamber of Commerce. I call it the U.S. Chamber of Horrors. <clears throat> They've never met an illegal alien they didn't like. I, I've testified and heard them say borders are no good, we need to bring in as many workers as want to come here. Of course, the more workers you bring into America, the more you can drive down wages. It's like flooding the market with a commodity because labor is a commodity. The De Beers Company, those of you familiar with the diamond industry, the De Beers Company, major company headquartered in Amsterdam, uh, I believe it's, um, I don't want to get it wrong, but it's certainly in Belgium, But they've always controlled the number of gem-quality diamonds that are released into the market because by controlling the quantity, you control the price. And, in fact, under law, if you dump a commodity to drive down prices unnaturally, you're committing a felony. It's called dumping appropriately. Well, for years, they've been dumping cheap labor on the American labor market, destroying wages for Americans. It's truly remarkable. And, and so um, this is what's been going on, and the lie has always been, well, the immigrants don't commit crime. <clears throat> it's the immigrants who are the backbone of America, the immigrants, the immigrants. The, but, of course, they're talking about illegal aliens. We're a nation of immigrants, but we're certainly not a nation of trespassers. And I can tell you that immigrants tend to be the most law-abiding segment of the society because they don't want to lose their green cards, at least in the old days. If you had a green card and were convicted for serious crimes, you lost your green card and you were deported. Not with Biden, of course. You could get away with murder, and I'm sure they'd be in the, in the stands cheering somehow. This is a sociopathic administration uh, that is running a sociopathic party. And I hate to say it that way because I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. This isn't the Democrat Party any longer. <clears throat> but truthfully, we're the Republicans. They've wanted the open borders for decades to placate the corporations that they represent. Don't give us regulations. We don't want to pay taxes. We just want to do whatever the hell we want to do. We want to make lots of money in the hell with everything else. That was the way the Republican Party was perceived when I was growing up in Brooklyn. It was the party of business. They didn't care about the people. It was all about business, money, and profit. And the Democrats looked out for the workers. So you had the two sides the party of the corporations and the businesses and the party of the workers. kind of made sense. There was balance. American workers, American companies, balance. 
We're globalists today. <clears throat> Borders mean nothing to these people. In fact, when I was at that hearing and the recess was called, this guy comes up to me, and the hearing was about border security, and he said to me, Mr. Cutler, you've got to stop this nonsense about demanding a secure border. This has got to stop. You're in my way. And I was flabbergasted. This was just a couple of years after 9-11. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? I said, that border is our first and last line of defense. He said, you know what that border really is? It's an impediment to my wealth and you're stopping me from making a ton of money that we could be pouring into our bank accounts if only that border went away. I'd never heard it laid out quite like that. And I said, well, we're careful about putting people on airplanes. He said, yes, and there are airplanes that are flying with empty seats. An empty seat is a loss of money. Every seat should be filled on those planes. Every bed should be slept on in the hotel. We need to fill the seats and the beds, and we need to open the borders and get all those people in here so we can get their money, and you're stopping this process. Wow. It took my breath away. And I said, after 9-11, after we saw the carnage, after we saw passenger airlines turned into cruise missiles and people died, buildings reduced to rubble, the world shaken to its core, and you're against airport security? He said, yes, because it intimidates people, and they're not flying it. If more people flew, we'd make more money, and the stock market would benefit from that extra money. I said, I'm sure that you're not worried about how you're going to buy a hamburger tonight. How much money do you need? He said, you can never have enough money. Put yourself in my place. On 9-11, my neighbors died. The ashes landed on my house. I've been working my tail off trying to get America to secure and protect itself against criminals and drugs and terrorists. And here's this guy in my face, adamant about it, adamant, raving, that what I was doing was costing him and his wealthy friends lots of money, and I need to stop immediately. Wow. And so I looked him in the eye. I said, you know what? I said, I hope if there's a terror attack, and I hope there aren't, but if God forbid there is, I hope that those bastards don't hurt a hair on your head. And he said, you know, Mr. Cutler, that's very kind of you to say that. I said, no, I'm not kind at all. I said, the reason I don't want you hurt is because I want you to be standing inches away from your family so you get to see and smell when they are vaporized. And he asked if I wanted to step outside. I took off my jacket. He threw himself in his chair, and that was the end of that conversation. And I didn't hear any more crap out of that face of his for the rest of that hearing. But I wanted to understand the mindset that is driving this country. It is the bribes being paid through campaign contributions to politicians who are bought and paid for from both parties. The Republicans did not want Trump's border wall, did they? It was Ronald Reagan who gave us the very first amnesty, gave us the visa waiver program, gave us the diversity visa, did not hire agents to enforce the immigration laws. Think about that. In fact, some of the terrorists who participated in the bombing at the Trade Center in 1993 uh, were granted amnesty under the Reagan amnesty program, agricultural workers, supposedly. Both parties are doing what they're told. The politicians have become the employees of the lobbyists. Now, what do I mean? Well, if you look at an employer-employer relationship, the employer writes the check, the employee cashes the check. Well, who's writing the check? The American Immigration Lawyers Association, the various charitable so-called NGOs, non-governmental organizations. You're going to hear about the NGOs that are moving the people on the midnight flight. NGO, non-government organizations, non-profits. Really? You think they're non-profits? Not so much. They call themselves non-profits, but their executives are rolling in dough. And the more aliens they move, the more money they make, and the bigger is their profits in that non-profit environment. And the Chamber of Commerce is thrilled. The banks are rolling around in dough. They couldn't be happier. 
they launder the drug money, and when they get caught, for the most part, nothing happens. They pay a fine. They pay a billion dollars here and a billion dollars there. They say, wow, how could the banks exist if they're paying billions of dollars in fines? Because they're making tens of billions of dollars, so it's like a tax. It's the cost of doing business. You go to work in the morning, you pay the toll to get across the bridge. That's all. It's like paying the toll. you got to pay, and then you make more money. So they launder the drug money, and it's laundered through Wall Street, and it's laundered through real estate. And the more people that flood into America, the more valuable real estate becomes because supply and demand, you have more people needing a place to stay. So the price of, of an apartment or the price of a house goes through the roof. When my parents bought the house that I'm still living in, it's home, I, you know, I grew up here. What used to be my room is now my office, and a couple of my kids slept in this room, so I'm feeling very connected to this building. I love it. But um, my dad spent roughly three years or four years' worth of his gross annual pay to buy the house. Of course, he didn't have the cash, so he got a mortgage. Today, the average uh, worker who would want to buy this house would need to spend between 10 and 12 times their annual gross pay. Wow. How many people are now able to buy a house? Not nearly as many. The price of real estate has gone up. And what does that mean? The mortgages get bigger. And when the mortgages get bigger, the banks make more money. It's all about money. It's all about money, not about morality, not about freedom, not about decency, not about morality. These companies that do business with China uh, and, and, and the conditions under which the Chinese workers slave away to make the sneakers and all the other products that we so covet in America. So while you've got these idiot football players, maybe they've taken too many hits to the head, you know, screaming about America, willing to buy products made in countries that don't understand what civil rights are all about. Ask yourself, what in the world is going on? How stupid can we be? When I went to Brooklyn College, we used to have a saying that the masses are asses. Never been more true. Then we were told that we've got to defund the police. And we had riots across America. Businesses were burned. People were killed. Uh, You're not bringing back those dead people, folks. It's a one-way trip out of here, isn't it? Many neighborhoods were ravaged. And where were these neighborhoods? Mostly in the minority communities. Businesses gone. So the corner store where people could get up in the morning and run over and and get some food for breakfast or whatever, that store's gone. It's probably not going to come back. You're not going to put a store in a neighborhood where you might be burned to the ground next Thursday. And this is all in the name of social justice. Social justice. It's insane. Um, I I just have to make note that yesterday was the 77th um, anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, the concentration camp. It has a personal meaning to me. My grandmother, for whom I was named, was killed in Poland during the Holocaust. We were never sure where she was taken or the circumstances surrounding her death, Um, but she was dead. She is dead killed as a young woman. My uh, first wife, who tragically died of cancer, her mother was in a concentration camp as well. And by the way, over dinner one night, I I said to her, how in the world did this happen? And my former mother-in-law said to me, it happened because people kept saying it can't get worse until the night she was pulled out of her house. It can't get worse. At gunpoint, can't get worse. But what's remarkable, instead of... Uh, aiming rage at the world and getting even what we've tried to do through the commemoration of that horror show, the Holocaust, is to try to get people to be kinder and gentler and compassionate and treat people with equanimity, to be fair. This whole thing about equity, that we're going to have segregation all over again because now, you know, It'll be a matter of who gets to be on the back of the bus. That's not justice, and it undoes the work done by Martin Luther King and all the civil rights workers and the people uh, who, who died fighting for civil rights. This isn't civil rights any longer. This is simply our enemies convincing Americans to fight each other. So while we're fighting each other, we weaken ourselves, and it gives them the opportunity at some point, God forbid, to take control of the world. 
waiting in the wings, even as I'm speaking to you, are China, Russia, and Iran. What could possibly go wrong? And there is carnage in the streets. It started with immigration, catch and release, and we're not going to deport, and we're not going to do this, and we're not going to do that because we want the cheap labor, and we want all that money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, even as we were crashing the middle-class wages, crushing the middle-class wages, part of it because of immigration, displacing American workers, H-1B visas, high-tech workers. We're a country of over 300 million people. We need to find people from around the world to do the work. The work Americans won't do. Sure thing. Yeah, the work that Americans are too dumb to do and the work that the Americans are too lazy to do. No. This is about immigration lawyers making a fortune. Bob Goodlatte, who used to chair the House uh, Judiciary Committee, which oversees immigration in addition to the U.S. Marshal Service and the FBI and DEA and the courts, oversees immigration. Well, Bob Goodlatte was an immigration lawyer, and he specialized in H-1B visas. And I've mentioned it before on the program. We had a heated conversation a number of years ago where he was the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And I said, why in the world would you want to flood America with all these foreign workers? And I told him how my first wife had been a brilliant programmer and the people that she worked with were Americans, men and women, black and white, Latinos, you name the flavor, because America is diverse. And I said, why would you destroy jobs for Americans? And he said, are you kidding? He said, my son knows a lot about computers, and my son would love to have thousands and thousands of brilliant Indian programmers come to America. I said, and what, do you, what are the Americans supposed to do? And he, he looked at me with this blank stare on his face, on that mug of his. And I said, what are the Americans, Mr. Chairman, chop liver? As chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, I would have imagined that your prime number one adamant concern would be the well-being of American workers. And instead, you're, you're telling me about the wonders of flooding America with foreign workers? How does that help Americans? Needless to say, our meeting was over. But I didn't even know that Bob Goodlatte had a son, let alone that he knew something about computers. But, you know, that's what happens when you're arrogant and stupid. That seems to be the case with too many of our supposed political leaders, supposed. So I went home and I punched in Bob Goodlatte and I punched in family and lo and behold, I come up with Bobby Goodlatte, and this guy got his start with Zuckerberg at Facebook. Enough said. He's now an angel investor. You know, he's made so much money in the computer industry. Uh, folks, it's a betrayal of Americans. It used to be that for America to do well, Americans had to do well. No more. Americans are supposed to be dumbasses who will spend their money on the garbage that's being peddled to us. If you have the opportunity, there's a program on, I believe it's CNBC, uh, American Greed. Look at the story about Boeing, how the Boeing aircraft company used to be this amazing company that built built rock-solid airplanes, a 747, an example of American technology at its best. When I was a kid, my plan was to be an aerospace engineer. Two of my boys are mechanical engineers, but life doesn't always go the direction we planned, but I'm still very much interested in the aviation industry, even did a little single-engine flying as a kid. And it was all about the Max Jet and how the Max Jet was a compromise. And it was poorly uh, designed, poorly executed. They were fudging the reports when they were testing the airplane, according to this report. And the CEO was forced out. But unlike the workers who get fired and they're escorted out of the building by an armed guard to make sure they don't take, God forbid, a pen with the company name on it, and certainly not the stapler, uh, this guy walked out the door with a piece of paper in his pocket. It was a check. Guess how much money, according to CNBC, the former CEO of Boeing, the company that lost two airplanes, and this guy wanted to keep them flying, and as my memory serves, it was Donald Trump who said, no, you ground those airplanes, they're not safe. Of course, they conveniently forget that Donald Trump was the guy who wanted the planes grounded. So the president of, of, of Boeing walked out the door. They said he didn't have a golden parachute. They just gave him the money that was due him. Six zero million dollars. Sixty million dollars. And I hear this nonsense from my conservative friends that in America there's a guarantee of 
of um, opportunity, not a guarantee of outcome. Tell me that this guy didn't have a guarantee of outcome. He screwed the pooch and walks out the door with more money than most of us will see in a lifetime if we add in everything in our family's earnings all on his way out the door, on his way out the door. By the way, here's the money we owe you, $60 million. But there's no guarantee of income, of outcome in this country, folks. So what we've done is to kill the American dream, and then you wonder why some people think that socialism is the answer. What passes for capitalism really isn't capitalism, it's corporate welfare, and a lot of Americans are disillusioned. If you wonder why kids today um, you know, feel the way they do about socialism, look no further than corporate greed and the way that the politicians in both political parties are in cahoots with, the, with, the, with these uh, bribers who give them these campaign contributions. Think about it. When you hear somebody running for office, the first thing you get to hear about is, Charlie Jones is running for the position of senator of the state of whoever, and he's a serious candidate because he has $3.8 million in his war chest. What does that have to do with the policies? What does that have to do with what his goals are, with how he's going to work his tail off to make America a better country and, and improve opportunities for American children? No, that's never part of the conversation. It, it, it's like a scoreboard. You know, how many home runs did he hit? How much money does he have? It's all about the money. If it's all about the money, what happens to governance? And once they win office, the next thought is, When's the next election? I better start getting my hands on more money. Well, what do I have to do to get the money? These people are prostitutes. We need a new position in the government, the official auctioneer. I'd like to know who's bankrolling the liberal lunatics now that are thrilled that blood is running in the streets. Blood is running in the streets. Today there was a funeral for a 22 I'm trying not to be emotional. A 22-year-old police officer just got married three months ago. His wife delivered one hell of a eulogy and went after the district attorney as well she should. And they talked about a sea of blue. And it was impressive. I wasn't there, but I can tell you I turned on the TV. And, oh, my gosh, thousands and thousands and thousands of police officers from across the country, I think even some from outside the United States, on motorcycle, on foot, a sea of blue. But across America right now, we're experiencing a sea of blood, sea of red. <clears throat> People are dying in record numbers. And that's not deterring the lunatics. Defund the police, bail reform, let them loose. This is called social justice woman in, um, I believe it was Atlanta, my wife told me the story, and I, I normally go to look it up, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm fried, I'm fried. <clears throat> woman got into her car, just strapped her six-month-old infant in the back of the car, in his car seat, and she was about to drive off, and she heard a gunshot, and she turned around, her baby was hit, and was dead, slumped over, six-month-old. Social justice, folks. Social effing justice. Really? <clears throat> As a federal agent, I frequently argued bail working with the U.S. attorneys or a district attorney. Normally the agent doesn't argue bail. That's normally the purview of the prosecutor. But I understood the case better than anyone. And bail is a very simple concept, so they would frequently ask me to do the bail presentation because when I did the bail presentation... Generally, what, there was no bail, or it was so high that there was no way that this individual was going to make bail. We're talking millions of dollars. Here's what I want you to know about that. I do believe in the principle that's at the foundation of our justice system, the presumption of innocence. That's true. Just because you've been indicted or arrested doesn't mean you actually did the crime. That's why we do a trial. Under the Napoleonic system in France, you're guilty until proven innocent. They arrest you, and you better be able to prove you didn't do it or you're going to jail. That's fast backwards. I agree with the notion of innocent until proven guilty. <clears throat> but nevertheless, when you are going to look at bail, you look at only two factors, risk of flight 
danger to the community. You have people now that say, that's not fair. Poor people can't make bail. Some people shouldn't make bail at all, and I don't care if they're a billionaire. If you are a threat to society, you need to be in a jail cell so you can't hurt somebody. I can't tell you how many times as an agent I've encountered cases where some guy was released on bail and within a day or two goes out and kills somebody. This happened in Virginia with MS-13. They were arrested, charged with attempted murder and, and other crimes, and they made bail. And they found a 14-year-old girl that they were convinced had gone to the police, and they beat her with bats, and they sliced her up with machetes, and that was that. That girl was killed because the, the animals involved in that case made bail. We don't make arrests lightly. It's not like I have a hunch so I'm going to arrest you. It doesn't work that way. It's certainly not supposed to work that way. We have to take seriously the notion that you pose a threat to society or that you're not going to show up. We just had a constable killed in Houston, and the guy has been on the run since the 90s using multiple identities, uh, and the guy's an illegal alien. Well, how did he get into the country? He probably ran the border. He probably ran the border, the border that the Chamber of Commerce hates, the border that Joe Biden hates. Borders, I would submit, folks, are not drawn in crayon or chalk. For the most part, throughout history, borders have been drawn in blood. Generally, a border is the result of a conflict, and at the time that the conflict ends, a line is drawn to work out the difference, whether it's North Korea, South Korea, with the demilitarized zone, the Mexican border, the U.S. border. It's always after a conflict, after bloodshed. Borders are serious business. I remember being in a debate and some actress at this, who was on the other side said, borders are imaginary lines. And I didn't get the opportunity to say it, but I, I, I wanted to. I had to bite my tongue. I'm sure that as a very accomplished actress, she has a beautiful home. And those of you who own homes know that if you go to buy a house, you go to get a mortgage, the first thing that they do is they bring in a surveyor, don't they, to do what? To make certain that the property lines are properly drawn and that they're not in, somehow uh, encroaching on some other person's land because that could have a conflict, right? So I'm sure that the property lines of her beautiful home weren't imaginary to her or to her bank. But somehow, for her, our national border was imaginary. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. If you can't secure your border, you can't protect your country. When I've spoken before, members of the armed forces, I made the point that the common shared mission of all of our military branches is to keep the enemies of America as far from our shores as possible. No one's ever disagreed. But up close and in person, that vital job falls to the Border Patrol and ICE and the Coast Guard. It's called border security. It's beyond belief to witness what we're witnessing. The midnight flights, I spoke about them last week. And what I did this week, if you remember last week, I talked about my friend Lou Barletta. Uh, Lou is actually running for governor now, but I've known Lou since he was the mayor of Hazleton, Pennsylvania, became the first mayor to enact ordinances against illegal immigration to punish people that would knowingly provide housing or jobs to people illegally present in the United States. And he didn't do it out of xenophobia. He did it because a Dominican drug gang set up shop in his once quiet town and was selling drugs in the schoolyard. And when one irate resident said to them, I grew up in that schoolyard, my children play in that schoolyard, please don't do this in my town, they visited him at home, they knocked on the door, he came to the door, as I remember the story, and they shot him in the head and killed him right there on his front porch. And there were other shootings. And... Lou went to the Bush White House, George W. Bush. And according to what Lou said, well, they gave him a tour of the Justice Department. They gave him this beautiful mug with a badge on it, very cool. And they shook his hand and they said, Mayor, you're on your own. We can't be bothered with this stuff. Because we all know that George W. Bush was an open borders guy and his father was an advocate for the New World Order. Okay? So Lou said, what am I supposed to do? I can't allow my people to be killed this way. I can't have drugs being sold in the schoolyard. 
So he took a stand against it. He immediately got sued by the ACLU and the others. And I was the final witness at federal court at Lou's invitation. I was happy to do what I had to do to try to help him. And then he went on to Congress. And I guess, you know, they didn't like him that much in Congress because he wasn't uh, an open border guy. He, he supported the border wall. He supported immigration law enforcement. And for those of you, when you think about the border wall, this is an important point to make when you have conversations with your friends or neighbors who disagree. You could explain to them that, you know, lying Nancy Pelosi, the refrigerator queen, um, said, oh, it's a wall of hate. The border wall isn't designed to keep anybody out of the United States, folks. It isn't. The border wall was not going to block off ports of entry. It was just going to funnel all people and all commerce through ports of entry so that everyone has to be screened. Compare that process with the way you go to the baseball park or the football stadium. There's fencing. You go through a gate. You pay for the ticket. Maybe you go through a metal detector, and then you take your seat and you enjoy the game and everybody's happy. It's not anti-fan to require people to go in through gates. It's not anti-immigrant to expect people visiting America to go through a port of entry. It's exactly the same as that gate at that athletic event. Think about it. They want people to come in illegally. That's the only conclusion you could come to. Why else would you be opposed to a wall that would help to make certain that everybody who comes to America goes through the vetting process? And the Republicans didn't want to pay for the wall. And the Democrats, they actually passed a fence act around 2007. I remember I was doing tons of TV back then. That was before they passed. Uh, Citizens United, which meant that unlimited amounts of money could be pumped into political campaigns, and then we were off to the races, and everything went downhill from there. But I predicted, I said, they're never going to finish that fence because it's going to get in the way of what the people that exploit illegal aliens and profit off the drug trade want. The only reason you would oppose a border wall is if you favor illegal immigration. If you want people to be able to come here, without screening that includes criminals it includes terrorists it includes deviates it includes gangbangers they don't care they live in gated communities if they have enough money they have their own armed security protection let the little people pay taxes the big people don't pay taxes right remember leola helmsley little people pay taxes really so anybody that voted against the border wall was really saying I don't care if people come in here and they're not screened. I don't care if criminals come into America. I don't care if people die. I have money to make. Because the more drugs that come into America, the more money that washes through Wall Street, the banks, real estate, high-end auto sales, and high-end jewelry sales. Everyone's getting a piece of the drug money. Silent partners, right? The money wire services. Silent partner. We want the cheap labor. And... When people sell drugs in America or when people work in America and they send money home, that money goes through the money wire services, the remitters, whether it's, you know, um, Western Union or the various banks or whatever. They're getting a piece of the action. So they're happy that people come here and send tens of billions of dollars in remittances out of the country. Why? Because they get a percentage of that money also. They're destroying the country, but that's okay. We have money. I can get a bigger house in some other country maybe. It's all about the money. We're being sold out by the politicians who get that phone call. Hey, Charlie, this is what we expect of you. I don't know if I mentioned it last week. I was talking to a former colleague this morning. And, and, and so I'll give you an analogy about how the bribe works. Let's say some very rich guy, he's worth, I don't know, $100 million, and he goes out and buys an amazing Ferrari or maybe a McLaren. i got a thing for McLarens. i got to tell you, they're neat-looking cars. And he lives in this nice town, and there's a stretch of road along the water. It's really scenic and lots of curves, and it's very smooth as glass. And he likes the speed. You don't buy a McLaren because you drive like, you know, someone's grandmother. And he's doing 60 miles an hour down a 30-mile speed limit and gets pulled over by the police. And being arrogant and obnoxious, he gets out of the car and says to the cop, how would you like a C note just to forget what you just saw? 
meaning $100. And then the cop looks at him. He says, are you kidding me? He says, no. Here's 100 bucks. Could you just please let me go with a warning? Well, the cop, taking his oath seriously, unlike the politician, arrests the guy and charges him appropriately with bribery. Now this guy is in a world of hurt. He's being charged with a felony. He's looking at the possibility of jail time. Now he's a convicted felon. Oh, my God. Think what just happened if he offered a police officer $100 to make a ticket to speed and go away. Pretty stupid. A friend of his who also has a hot car, hears the story about his buddy, and he says, that's stupid. Why would you bribe a police officer? And this guy, you know, he's pending trial and he's all work. He said, what do you mean? Why would I, how else should I have dealt with it? He said, well, you should have paid the damn ticket. But besides paying the ticket, you didn't solve the problem. He said, I'll tell you how you solve the problem about getting tickets on that beautiful stretch of roadway. He said, you mean you could solve this? He said, easily. He said, Joe Schmidlap is running for mayor. I'm going to make an appointment to see him. So he goes to see Joe Schmidlap, and he says, hey, you know what, Joe? I'd like to give you a juicy campaign contribution. I think you'd make a terrific mayor. I really do. You've got what it takes. But the problem is the speed limits in this town are slowing people down. They're getting to work late. They want to go home and have dinner. And it takes too darn long to drive. Why don't you take that beautiful 30-mile-an-hour roadway, it's a perfect highway, and put a 60-mile-an-hour speed limit on it, and I'll be happy to give you a $25,000 campaign contribution to help make sure that you win the election. And Mr. Schmidlap is all excited. He says, you've got a deal. Well, lo and behold, he gets elected, helped, no doubt, by the money given to him by Mr. Hot Rod. And as soon as he's sworn in, the next day, he tells the highway department, change the speed limits on the roads. So now... 60 is legal on that stretch of road. It might not be safe, but it's legal. And the guy who gave him the campaign contribution is happy, and everything he did is technically okay and legal. And he doesn't have a cloud hanging over his head. And now anytime he wants, he can zip through there at 60 miles an hour without having to worry about the police. You tell me what's more corrupt. It's insane, and that's where we are today. It's abundantly clear that the globalists have bought the best government money can buy, and we're destroying America as a result of it. Instead of looking at America's children as the future of our country, America's kids mean nothing to these politicians. They mean less than nothing. If you want real social justice, it doesn't start when a child is 18 years old and has six arrests for, for violent crimes it starts when the child is born we make sure that children have the best possible environment at home to be successful encourage families to stay together it's a tough deal to try to raise a child when you only have one parent I, I was a single parent for about five years and I could tell you it's, it ain't easy it isn't easy um, children do best when they have a mama bear and a papa bear and a stable home they do great when the schools provide them with quality education because school is supposed to be kind of like boot camp. You're in preparation for the rest of your life so that when you get out of school, you can be a successful adult. Theoretically, you should be able to know how to balance a checkbook and get information that you need and understand how the government is supposed to function and acquire the skills that you need to be successful and happy. Learn about science, learn about math, learn about history, understand um, you know, and, and where America was wrong, we need to study it. The Holocaust was, was outrageous, and we should be teaching that to every child in the world so we don't have more Holocaust. We don't have more mass murders. We don't have more insanity. We don't have more tyranny. That's what we should be doing, using education as a way of improving our species everywhere. That we're going to get even. You know, I, I, I had ADD, I think, as a kid. If I was daydreaming in class because the lesson wasn't interesting, I paid a price when I took the tests. I did well on the aptitude test, but not so well on my report card. And my mother would say to me, your friends have done so much better than you. And I didn't blame them because I didn't do well. I said, yeah, I guess they're able to study better. And my parents' advice was common sense. They said, well, 
why don't you check out what your friends are doing who are doing so much better on those tests, and maybe you could emulate what apparently is a formula for success. That's not what we're doing today. We are pitting American against American, sowing the seeds of resentment and rage among people who are failing because society is failing them and they then are failing society. Children are malleable. They come into this world with a clean, blank slate. What are we doing to help them live up to their full potential? That should be the goal of all of our leaders and all of our educators, not to manipulate them so they can be soldiers in your war against America, which is what they're doing. Instead of critical race theory, I would argue we need critical empathy theory. Life is a tough proposition for everybody. But what we're now seeing is a completely out-of-control administration. You're seeing it on the state level and the local levels with the, with the wackaloons on the left and bail reform and turn criminals loose and all this other business. And we ought to be looking at what we do in those prisons also to really help them to live up to that aspirational notion of being correctional facilities. Most people go into jail and come out worse because they spend X number of years associating with some of the worst sociopaths in the world. That certainly doesn't help when they get out. We need to look at what we're doing and change the way we do business. That's something we should always be doing. But most importantly, it should start when kids are, are very young. The proper values, good nutrition, all those programs. That's what we should be doing, looking at our children as the next generation of hardworking Americans, successful Americans, rather than how do we get people in here from some other country. When Katrina struck, if you remember, under the Bush administration, they eliminated the I-9 requirement, and they imported a, a, a ton of illegal workers from Latin America, and they told immigration, we need their help. If Bush was really... In, in, in favor of helping American kids and American families, he should have said, let's get the Labor Department to go around the country, find people, even if they've had minor scrapes with the law, put them into an apprenticeship program, teach them how to be carpenters and bricklayers and plumbers and electricians and roofers. You help us rebuild New Orleans, we'll help you rebuild your lives. My dad was a construction worker. He was my role model, his buddies, role models. They weren't afraid of any job. There was no job that was too dangerous, too filthy, or too difficult. It was a day's pay, and that's all that mattered to my father. And these were all honest, hardworking Americans. What a notion. That's what we need to be doing with American kids, encouraging them to find their way, to figure out what they're best at, because usually when you're good at something, you'll do it well, and encourage them to maximize their potential instead of giving them resentment Give them opportunity, meaningful opportunity, not basketball games in the middle of the night, but perhaps libraries and, and tutors and give them whatever it is that it takes to level the playing field and give every American child that opportunity. I favor free college for American kids, American kids, period, only Americans. <clears throat> but now in New York City, you don't have to be an American to vote for mayor. Think how insane that is, how it devalues citizenship and the sense of this American community that we should all be proud to be part of. And so Lou Barletta, I told you about that. I taped an interview with him this week. And if you go to U.S. Incorporated, usinc.org, and the link to my articles are up on the radio website, the article was Biden administration now running the biggest human trafficking operation in history. There's a bunch of links in that article. One of the links is to a roughly 25-minute conversation that I had with Lou Barletta about the ghost flights that he witnessed firsthand and about the battles that he and I have been fighting together against illegal immigration. I would love for you to read it and share it with as many people as you can because every day this administration is flying individual men, middle-aged men, young men into cities around the United States. And they're supposedly coming here to be reunited with their families, but their families are illegal aliens. You know, I used to help to reunite families, too. We would send the illegal aliens back to their home country so they could be with their families. 
they use the unflattering term anchor baby to describe a child born in America because once they're born here because of birthright citizenship, they become U.S. citizens and they can ultimately bring their family members here. So they call them anchor babies. Today, illegal aliens are anchors. Once they get here and others come that supposedly are related to them, instead of saying you all need to leave, which is what we used to do, we're telling them, oh, great, your, 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 your brother is here and he is illegal? Where does he live? We'll give you an airplane ticket. Maybe he could pick you up at the airport so you can be with him here in the United States. Is that really what our immigration laws are supposed to be about? And, and what shocked me is that Garland, and again, I, I want you to read that other article, Attorney General Garland ignores vital immigration law enforcement. He talks about how he's going to help to fight the violent crime. And he's got the FBI and DEA and ATF and the U.S. Marshal Service ready to jump in. Uh, by the way, I was on with uh, David Webb, the radio talk show host. Great guy, David, terrific, over at Patriot Radio. And he said that he had information that they really weren't even giving any other federal agencies to various city and state governments. I mean, it's all a bunch of lies. Biden, you can tell if Biden's lying if his lips are moving, and that goes for most of his cabinet as well, birds of a feather, you know. But nowhere in that press release, from the Justice Department was any discussion about immigration law enforcement. I was part of the Drug Task Force for 10 years. Before that, I spent four years as the first immigration agent assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. Immigration laws give us tremendous leverage when you're dealing with criminal aliens and international and transnational gangs and terrorist groups. Because in crossing borders, they violate various laws that we had jurisdiction over. If you worry about guns on the street, an illegal alien caught with a firearm or even with ammunition is looking at 10 years in jail. An illegal alien who's deported and comes back is looking at up to 20 years in jail. I'm very familiar with that law. I worked with Al D'Amato, who was then a senator back in the early 80s, to create that law. Under Trump, it was the most frequently prosecuted felony, reentry after deportation. I was shocked today because Fox News was reporting that according to the administration, the administration is releasing adult men even if they have criminal histories, but only if they have misdemeanor arrests, misdemeanor. And one of the misdemeanor arrests, according to Biden, and repeated by Fox News, which made it sound like it's accurate, was the crime of reentry after deportation. Folks, it's not a misdemeanor. If you're not a criminal, it carries a maximum of two years in jail. Anything more than a year is a felony. And if you're a criminal, as I said, I worked with D'Amato to change the law, felons are looking at a max of 20 years in jail. In what system of justice is 20 years in jail considered a misdemeanor? Nothing to see here, folks. If an alien commits visa fraud or commits fraud to get a green card or U.S. citizenship in conjunction with terrorism, that alien is looking at 25 years in jail. Serious charge. Why then wouldn't you want to have immigration agents on board if you're going after violent gangs and drug trafficking organizations and international terrorists? Well, there's another press release I'm going to be writing about where uh, Mayorkas, the head of the Department of Homeland Surrender, as it now certainly has become, and I predicted it. Uh, I hate to quote the, the uh, iRobot um, character played by Will Smith when the robots go bad and he and he tells the woman who works for the company, somehow I told you so, doesn't quite say it. Well, here we are. Uh, but Mayorkas said, we're going after human trafficking. And when you read the way they're going to do it, we're going to locate the smuggled aliens, the trafficked aliens, and we're going to take care of them. And we will give them the warm fuzzies, and then we hope they're going to tell us who brought them here. doesn't work that way. If you're going to take such good care of people who are smuggled into the United States, what you're really doing is enticing more people to come to the United States illegally with the help of smugglers. Because as soon as these folks get here and the guy picks up the phone and calls his brother and says, guess what? Immigration picked me up and they gave me a hotel room and they gave me whatever I needed and I wasn't feeling well, so they took me to the hospital and I got my first checkup. You know what it's like to go into a hospital? Because this guy comes from a third world country. And he talks about what a great experience and how good the food is. They're giving him three great meals a day. 
And his brother says, are you kidding me? He says, no. Well, aren't you in jail? Jail? No, no, no. I'm in a hotel. You're in a hotel? Yeah. There's a television and there's a rec room and there's a swimming pool. Really? Well, guess where his brother's going to be going? That's not how you go after human trafficking. And there's another notion that we need to, to deal with. According to the, the, the wackaloons, every alien who comes to the United States with the help of a smuggler is a victim of human trafficking. Stop right there. There are people who are victims of human trafficking, absolutely. And smugglers are pernicious, and they rob and they rape and they do terrible things to the women. And they beat the men. In some cases, they kill people. They're awful. But what's being left out of this whole conversation is how did the smuggler come to know the alien they brought into the country that they abused or, or mistreated? Because that person went to the smuggler and said, here's $5,000 I need to get to New York. Well, wait a moment. They offered the smuggler money to help circumvent our borders and our immigration laws, and we call these aliens victims. They might be victimized by the smuggler, and the smugglers should be punished. Put them in jail forever. I don't care. But please don't tell me that when someone pays a smuggler, they're a victim. They are a co-conspirator. That's kind of like some guy goes to a brothel, and then we call him a victim of the sex trade industry. Really? The guy goes to some prostitute and says, here's $100 for whatever services you might offer me, because I'd like to smile, okay? Put a smile on my face, here's 100 bucks. Is that guy the victim of the sex industry, or is he a willing participant? But, again, this is the way everything gets switched around. Victims of human trafficking. Yes, when they're beaten and crimes are committed, they should be punished, the smugglers and the people that commit those crimes. But let's not have this goo-goo-ga-ga, rosy-eyed view of the people that paid the money. Yes, they're desperate. I never saw the average illegal alien as my enemy. These are desperate people, and people that are desperate will do desperate things. But victims of human trafficking? No, 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 no. These are willing participants. When some girl gets kidnapped and dragged across the border and first forced to work in a brothel, yes, that's a victim of human trafficking. I agree 100%. So when someone goes up to a smuggler and says, hey, Jose, I need to get to New York. And by the way, the smugglers don't only operate in, in Mexico. They operate around the world. We've had alien smuggling rings bringing illegal aliens through Latin America, and, and these are people coming from countries that sponsor terrorism. And in fact, the Biden administration, according to a Fox News report this morning, released a known international terrorist who was interviewed by the FBI the guy was from Venezuela. Venezuela has a very clear connection to Iran, as you've been reading my articles, and I hope you do. Wanted as an international terrorist, they said to, the, to, uh, to ICE, you can't release this guy, he's dangerous. And they said, yeah, we can. And they did. Yes, we can. Remember, yes, we can from Obama? Well, yes, we can. And they released a, 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 a terrorist. What are we doing? What are we doing? This is unbelievable. It's endangering national security and public safety and public health, and it's happening every single day, and it's going to have an impact on America for decades and decades to come. This will truly be the gift that keeps on giving. And Joe Biden lies through his teeth, and Jim Psaki lies through her teeth. And if you saw the report on Fox News where they flew an airplane into Westchester, it's happening across the country. Nobody's safe. And the police officer went up and said, what are you doing? And the guy didn't realize that the body camera was rolling on the, well, the police officer. He said, we're doing this on the down low. We don't want the media. We don't need the public to know. They don't even tell us where we're going. Is this how you have accountability in government? Is this what a government of the people, by the people, and for the people looks like? No. This is the way that human trafficking, alien smuggling rings, as we used to call them, or drug smuggling operations look like. They do stuff in the dead of night. They do it covertly. They do it in a way that doesn't call attention to them, kind of like the way a sleeper agent works. Somebody once described an effective spy as a person who wouldn't attract the attention of a waiter or waitress in a greasy spoon diner. I would say that the same holds true for terrorists. 
and in point of fact, that waiter or waitress or dishwasher might well be engaged in terrorism. And I'm speaking from personal experience as an agent who's investigated and arrested terrorists. Keep a low profile, smile at everybody, and nobody will know you're here. Bring in those flights in the dead of night and deny it. Just lie. I'll tell you what I would like. If you lie to a federal agent, you can go to jail. 18 U.S.C., 1001, it's a felony. If you go before Congress and you lie, you can go to jail. So here's my proposal, folks. Try this one on for size. Take it for a spin around the block. I would love it that if we can show that some politicians standing before the American people knowingly lied, that we should be able to prosecute them. It's time that we got the truth from our government, and if we can't get the truth from these bums, Throw them the hell out. You know, I'm looking at the reaction to the murder of these two young cops. They were babies, 22 years old and 27 years old. My gosh. My gosh. Their lives hadn't even started. This poor guy just got married. His wife is done. They were childhood sweethearts going back to public school. She's done. Her life is never going to be right. And yet you've got a district attorney who thinks it's okay to do whatever the hell he wants, even if he gets lots more people killed. They removed the statue of Thomas um, of, uh, of Teddy Roosevelt in front of the Museum of Natural History. I talked about it last week. 89% of New Yorkers thought that the statue should remain. 11% wanted to see it go. How in a democracy does 11% dictate the 89%? It happened because we refused to stand up, and that's got to stop. That has got to stop. We need to be heard clearly, nonviolently, you know, but we need to be heard. Maybe we should have a, a, a sick out, you know, a day without American workers or, or a day when we all sit down in the roads blocking the, the, the mayor's mansion or something. Let them know that we're here, that we're paying attention, that we're furious. How many more children need to die like that little baby in the back seat of his mom's car? How many more police officers need to die? How many more people need to be pushed in front of subway cars or be afraid to death to go out to walk their dog at night because the thugs are waiting in the shadows? This is being done to us by people who were elected to uphold the Constitution and look out for our best interests, and they're screwing us royally. I loved it that when Mayorkas went down to the Border Patrol, the Border Patrol agent turned his back on Mayorkas. I love it. And Mayorkas said, well, I'll never turn my back on you. And the Border Patrol agent looked at him. He said, really? You did that the day that you were sworn in or the day that you were appointed. And he's right. Mayorkas, as I've written about previously, was investigated by the Office of Inspector General for approving applications for visas, even where it involved possible terrorists. Ordered his people to approve the petitions or else. And even after all that, the Democrats overrode any objection that the Republicans had, and he's now in charge of the entire Department of Homeland Security, and you see the results. This isn't incompetence. This is corruption, folks. This is malfeasance at its worst. If you or I brought in one or two aliens, you could expect a knock on your door probably. But when the administration does it by the hundreds of thousands every month, it's become the new normal because we've allowed it to become the new normal. My dad taught me an important lesson. He said, Mike, you're going to teach people how they should treat you by demonstrating what you're willing to accept. Why in the world are we accepting this? We are losing public safety, national security. It's impacting jobs and wages, and it's impacting the environment. Please check out my articles. Forward them to as many of your friends as possible. Engage them in conversations, not fights, not arguments. Start with the presumption that we all want the same thing, a bright, safe future for ourselves, for America, and for our children. That should be the starting point. Remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay warm. If you're on the East Coast, lots of luck with the storm coming up. And we'll see you again next week right here 